please silence your cell phones and laptops. Bow, 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 bow. Oh, we don't have the rights to love that. Love it. I love it. What was that guy? What's that guy who always runs for president and he always wears the sock or the boot on his head? You know what I'm talking about? Nobody what? knows. Is he a Pastafarian? No, he <laughs> I do not. Stacy's run for office before y'all. Oh! That's what gives him, you know, an oddly unique perspective on politics. From El Toro Studios, brought to you by ElToro.com, the only one-to-one, 100% cookie-free IP targeting solution. This is the Straight from the Bull podcast. Welcome back to the fifth episode of the El Toro podcast. My name is Kramer Caswell, and I'm sitting here with the co-hosts David Stadler and DJ Oz. What? So today, we're getting political. Not not literally, sort of, kind of. Yeah, you with, don't talk uh, about politics, man. Yeah, sorry, man. Politics but and religion. getting political with CEO of El Toro, Stacy Aloysius Griggs. <laughs> Stacy, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be on the podcast. I'm really excited with the work you guys have been doing here. We've been stepping it up. Sounds pretty good. We're getting I mean, better. I mean, we do have a CEO. I mean, I learned, show. I learned to read two weeks ago, so yeah. I mean, this is a big <laughs> step for We're me. We're really proud of you, Stephen. <laughs> your, re- your recent work is much better than the beta version that uh, that subsequently can get released. <laughs> oh, nobody knows about the beta version. You just version. didn't get it, Stacey. Nobody knows about the beta version. <laughs> that's that's the called there. the B-sides yeah. and rarities. Not only did I not get it, no one got it. No one got it. That'll be in the highlight reel when they write a documentary about us one day. <laughs> So before we get too far into the podcast, I want to give a quick shout out to the Doo-Wop Shop. Doo-Wop Shop hooked us up with all this incredible equipment for this podcast. Doo-Wop has been serving the Louisville area since 1971, fulfilling all your audio and musical needs. They're located off Bardstown Road in Eastern Parkway. Find out more at doowop.com. Hey, did I, did I hear that this is the 86th highest ranked business podcast on the Fourth. IT- yeah 84 84 84th out of yeah. 5000 you mean so so top 84 in technology yeah yeah so yeah. top 84 mm-hmm. yeah we, we you, broke we, 100 we nice. broke 100 100 wow yeah. i thought we had like 13 downloads oh no man we're we're at i don't know how many downloads 17 the, the blueberry <laughs> podcasting thing is really bad it's really bad but you know what's interesting about that is that we did have our first sponsorship request come in for the front door. So that's we're doing right. something right. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, you know, we got kind of a, a somebody reached out to us a couple of weeks ago, and in the interest of full disclosure, they are clients of ours, and they have been listening to the eltoro.com podcast. They, they wanted to sponsor us. And, you know, Austin um, kind of uh, spoke to them most frequently, and he kind of introduced me to a lot of the ads that they were running. And what I remember most, uh, most of all is just hearing all this commotion back in the ad operations room and coming up on these advertisements that were literally probably some of the best I'd ever seen. And then, so Stadler comes and walks into the ad ops room, and the first thing he hears is, do you have sweaty balls? And we're like, what, what are you talking <laughs> what about? Is everybody listening but to? But let me tell you, I am, I'm living in the future right now. Because with this UFM underwear... Hey, well, like, we didn't even drop the name of the... Are we oh, going to drop the name? We should we drop, the drop the name. Let's drop the name. Yeah, yeah, they hooked it underwear up. for men. UFM. 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 UFM, not UFC. Anyway. But it's it's like the Terminators or yeah. T2 is going to walk in the door because we're... I'm living in the future. Like, I expect a minority report screen to pop up that I can move with my hands. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it has an adjustable pouch on they, underwear. They hooked us up That's with ridiculous. a lot of merch. They sent us two pairs of underwear. They sent us, what, three mouse pads? <laughs> mouse pads with and, the, uh And then a few brochures. Yeah, that's actually a creepy-looking mouse pad. I, I don't, Super I, creepy. I really don't know that I'd want to hey, put my hand these on. these are our sponsors. So, you so, have to be nice. Well, yeah. I, 
thank you for your sponsorship. <laughs> Th- thank you even more for your business, UFM. Uh, also, may I suggest some underwear for C- for the CEO because those underwear that you sent got gobbled up by these guys. Yeah, we did. We only took two, but we're all we're all sharing. Yeah, there's three of us. We're all sharing. <laughs> I got I got to say, it is incredibly comfortable. I have never really thought about it from you know as much of a support standpoint as what we're getting right now. But the inclusion of this drawstring on the front, I was a little skeptical at first. But man, game changer. Pouches aren't just for kangaroos. You want stuff staying in place? You're going to use these. All right, so you heard it here. Underwear for men. Thank you. We appreciate For the tens of listeners out there, don't just send us random underwear. Like he has a company that makes underwear. So it's okay. Because if random yeah, listeners we do not start want sending you to in, send us please your don't send underwear. Us that is not cool. I'll, I'll tweet some pictures of this stuff because it's pretty cool. So what are we what are we drinking today? Um. So today we are sampling Russell's Reserve Ten Year Bourbon. Now this comes out of the mm. Wild Turkey Distillery. Um, this is um, made by Master Distiller Jimmy Russell. And w- one thing I really like about Jimmy, um, well, first and foremost, he's one of the few Master Distillers that actually has a bourbon named after him and he's still alive um it was what was it uh, there was one that recently passed away elmer t lee um he passed away a couple of years ago and uh, as far as i'm aware i'm sure some bourbon nerd out there is going to correct me jimmy russell's the only one alive today as a master distiller that has one named after him um i've always been a big fan of jimmy russell stuff ever since they came out with the wild turkey tradition back in 2009 um but their russell's reserve 10-year bourbon is absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, he, I was... he's, he's also a great character. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, living here in Louisville, you get to meet a lot of these master distillers, and Jimmy is just such a great ambassador for bourbon. And you know, sitting down and having a chance to sip a bourbon with a guy like Jimmy Russell is pretty cool. One thing I also noticed, like when, when people talk about Russell's Reserve and Jimmy Russell, they always call him Jimmy. Hey, man, you see Jimmy last night at the bourbon tasting? Yeah, I saw Jimmy. You know, he's got some real good recipes going on over there. But, dude, everybody talks about Jimmy Russell. They call him Jimmy. And, I mean, he's a very, very approachable person. It actually might be Jimmy on his birth certificate. It might not be James. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, cheers, guys. Let's try it. Cheers. So uh, Stadler told me that I need to say it's buttery because uh, I'm kind of known for claiming a lot of different bourbons are buttery. This one is actually not buttery. It is, uh, it's kind of oak forward. It's got a, you know, some hints of vanilla and leather to it. It is, I mean, it's a very good and, and very purchasable tenure yes. because, you know, as bourbon's gotten kind of uh, into rare air and, and more difficult to find, you can't find a lot of the best juice anymore, but this is a very good juice that you can find at your local liquor store. Also, I'd like to point out, did you guys notice what I didn't do this week? <laughs> I did not cough. Oh, man. We're good. We're getting better at this. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and get into the uh, the nitty gritty details. So Stacy, first, I kind of wanted to talk to you about what's been happening in the news uh, regarding Trump kind of taking on all these tech companies. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on a few things, specifically in regards to Google and the alleged suppression of conservative news organizations. So let's bring our listeners up to speed on exactly what's happening here. So um, the Donald came out a couple of days ago, and he's pretty fit to be tied with respect to when you Google his name, 
a lot of what he considers to be more liberal. Liberal news organizations come up first. So I guess our first question to you, Stacey, is um, talk, well, just talk a little bit about that and what your thoughts are on it, because you have a lot of you have years of experience in dealing with tech companies. Sure. And I don't believe there's a grand conspiracy on the behalf of Google or other search engines to build up or suppress certain news items. And I went out and I've got my laptop in front of me while we're doing this. It's one of the values of a podcast. You can sit around and look like uh, a bunch of the radio nerds at an ESPN uh, ESPN radio broadcast with everybody <laughs> having their laptops and do research while you're doing this. But Not, not me. I'm prepared. <laughs> well, what's that in your lap? Is that your underwear? Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if I, if I look at uh, a Google search for Donald Trump and then I search uh, books, you know, certainly the first book here is Fire and Fury Inside the Trump White House, probably not one, one of his favorites. Yeah. Uh, but the next one is The Faith of Donald Trump, a spiritual biography, which probably is one of his favorites. That sounds deep. And, you know, if I, but if I look at, you know, Fire and Fury, it was a number one New York Times bestseller. So if you think about how a search algorithm should work, a book that sold the most should rank the highest versus a book that didn't sell the most. Yeah. Uh, especially a newer book that sold the most because you, you look at things like recency and, you know, kind of inbound links and the number of people talking about it and a bunch of other variables. So you know, these seem like they're the real search results and, and yeah. that they're weighted properly. And that, that would make sense because I deal with a lot of SEO stuff here and Google always talks about the you got the, I mean, there's a ton of variables that go into a good ranking on an SEO, but site traffic is one, domain authority is another one, the amount of backlinks. So it would make sense to me that a lot of these organizations that have been legitimized over the years, like like CNN, like MSNBC, <laughs> I mean, they, they have a lot of backlinks to to their site and they're and they're considered a, a good source and well, yeah. so that and that would automatically boost their rankings exactly and it's it's not just about backlinks and things like that they have to evaluate the quality of those backlinks yeah of um, course yeah and you know there are literally thousands of different inputs and metrics that come into play um, when Google is attempting to rank a site based on a specific keyword search mm-hmm. and it just seems to me that there's a lot more content out there that have optimized, you know, themselves against the Donald Trump keyword on what might be considered more liberal-leaning websites than perhaps the stuff that Donald Trump might want to see that's in his bubble. Stacy, do you think his claim gets more credit with some of the social media sites pulling more of the conservative uh, pages? Well, you know, certainly there there do seem to be there, there there does seem to be some some reality to social media sites blacklisting or pulling content from conservative personalities. And you you rarely see that in more liberal personalities. So, you know, I think companies like anything are you know, are, are just a big assemblance of humans. And I bet there are humans in Facebook and Twitter and these social media sites that are probably not very in favor of Donald Trump or very in favor of conservatives. And I suspect they probably tilt the scales a little bit from time to time on who gets blacklisted or whose who's content gets hidden or whose content gets prioritized. I, I think Google doesn't necessarily weigh into that as much because Google is more about the algorithmic detection and ranking of things, whereas, you know, 
Facebook and Twitter and social media sites have large teams of people that do that. And yeah. and if you've got and teams of point. people that do it, it's far more likely that you know, you're going to run into the bias of a person. Whereas you know the code's the code, and and it's you know if you build bias into the code, you're gonna you know, it's gonna well that it's gonna be pretty obvious. That that was my next question because what you just said there it would it even be possible to technically build like a political bias into the code oh you can build anything into the yeah. code and you know you can build whatever bias that you want into the code we're pointed with respect to that question how would you prove that a bias like that exists in yeah, the code or there's, could you there's a group i know there's a group in the united kingdom that did a study on seo regarding donald trump and different keywords around donald trump and I think it was like they pulled, they searched a thousand different keywords, and they they according to them, and they were trying to be unbiased. That there seemed to be a little bit of a tilt uh, towards the left in regards to him. So, but I don't know if that's a good study. And you're you're a, you love statistics, Stacy. Oh, so yeah. I think I think it'd be easy enough to design an, an experiment, and measure it with some data science, and that you would look at you know call it the top five search engines, and you would run a series of data points through those search engines from you know also different people's machines and different browsers and different parts of the country and different times of day. And you know if you get you know call it a thousand data points on each of those search engines with you know kind of consistency across machines, time of day, those types of things, and then start looking at how the results come out. And if there's a clear pattern of bias on one search engine over another, then it's easy enough to prove. Okay, well, let's say let's say you do that. And let's say there is a clear bias, a, a clear bias towards the left. How how do you fix that and can you fix that? Well, if you're the president of the United States and you control things like the Federal Communications Commission and a number of federal agencies and you start seeing bias in major media members, then, you know, and, and, and they're claiming that there isn't bias. They're claiming that they're a neutral arbiter. I, I think that you can do some things to fix that. Yeah. Uh, yeah so I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if somebody did a study like that. But you know, at this point, it can't be, hey, I'm the president and I see some tweets I don't like uh, or I see some things that I don't like and they're, they're getting priority on a search engine versus, you know, you need to go out and take a much broader spectrum view of it and be able to prove that this search engine consistently ranks things that are left-leaning higher than things that are right-leaning. And if you could do that, then, you know, there's a number of things that you could do both, you know, from regulatory or legislative standpoint or e even from, you know, even from a legal standpoint. Yeah, because I don't want to get too, like, political on this podcast. I more just want to talk about the granular overview of everything. But, I mean, wouldn't that require uh, well, kind of like well, a... Well, theoretically, uh, I mean, if you just kind of trace this down, and, and we're going to talk about some different laws and regulations today, and this is a good uh, good section to say, hey, we're not lawyers, um, so always consult your own lawyer for any legal advice. Any legal advice we give you today is just our opinion. But, you know, if you look at if there were some massive scheme to tilt the election on behalf of a search engine or to tilt a number of elections. Theoretically, that additional media that was given to candidates or candidates could be an illegal campaign contribution mm -hmm. uh, subject to campaign contribution limits yeah. and subject to campaign contribution reporting. Interesting. Stacey so somebody in. could get popped on that. So Stacy's got an interesting background in all of this. Um, First and foremost, you know, Stacy has run a variety of different tech companies um, before he helped us grow up. Um, 
but he has also run for office himself, uh, which gives him a great deal of visibility, not only into the day-to-day workings of a political campaign for somebody who you know works full-time, has a family, that kind of stuff, and is also running for office, um, but he has a great deal of insight as to kind of what happens behind the scenes, you know, proving the efficacy of political campaigns and making sure that, you know, the efficacy that it was witnessed is is empirical and provable. Um, and, you know, I, I'd like for you to speak a little bit to that because you kind of, you are the person, not kind of, there's nothing to it, but you're the person who kind of er, helped organize, you know, us in a manner that allowed us to prove, you know, our political advertising works and it's more effective than the average bear and you're the guy who came up with the science behind that yeah and yeah that's one of the big problems in digital advertising most digital advertisers and most digital advertising companies the metrics they're measuring are things that simply don't matter they're measuring clicks and click-through rate and cost per click and joseph wanamaker said in the early part of the last century that 50 percent of what he spent on advertising was wasted the problem was he just didn't know which 50% it was. <laughs> and, 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 you know, today in, you know, in online advertising, you could change that and say 98, 99% of what I spend is wasted. The problem is I just don't know which one or 2% are going to work. And when you're only measuring online behavior and you're like many of our clients that the actual purchase is I showed up and voted or I voted for you or I bought a car from you or I bought furniture from you that you know you use online to influence people but the actual transaction rarely takes place online how do you measure that efficacy and interestingly enough with in a world of big data and data science we can now measure that and the El Toro system was kind of a perfect tool to be able to do that so from you know very early on you know I I think we all realized it that this is something that we can and should be able to measure better than what other uh, other tools are doing. Yeah. Um, to go back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago. So you mentioned bourbon? states. <laughs> bourbon. I'm good. I'm, I got. I still got happy. <laughs> Hey, come on, man. I'm doing better. I'm doing better. Um, come on, DJ Crane. <laughs> DJ Crane. Stop. My mom said I was doing good. Uh, states requiring political transparency. So in, in reporting, what, what do you mean by that? So in a, in a world where you've got issues with Cambridge Analytica and political transparency, a number of states have started passing laws or regulations requiring reporting of political ad spends across the supply chain. And, and, and I'll unpack that statement for a minute. But you look at a state like, um, you know, like Maryland that now wants publishers to report the political ad spend by campaign, who spent it, what the ads were, whether it was pro or against a campaign. You look at Washington State, which was the leader in passing one of these laws. They they want everybody in the supply chain, not just the publishers, to publish that data, so the ad tech companies. So in a state like Washington, it, that affects Altoro because now we have to report who our clients are, what they spent, whether it was pro or against a specific initiative or not, or pro against a certain candidate, who actually paid us. And and then we also have to produce copies of the ads uh, and save copies of the ads. That that was a little bit of a a, a twist for us because historically, you know, we've done NDAs with all of our clients and we consider client data confidential, uh, as should every company. Because, you know, you look at your data, your voting list, your files, your, your creatives 
all of that's confidential part and parcel of your strategy. And, you know, as a company that kind of grew up in the corporate space, you know, corporate data is always confidential. It's kind of, you know, it, it, it's interesting that in the political space, a lot of firms don't consider your data confidential, but gosh, that would worry the heck out of me that, you know, I give my confidential data to firm A and, and they don't consider it confidential at all. So we had to, you know, kind of augment our agreements in states where we have this enhanced political transparency reporting so that we can now publish you know, the legally required data. Uh, but we, we, we decided to do that, whereas a company like Google said, gosh, that's really not consistent with how we do business. And they just pulled out all firm political ads in those states. Really? I didn't know that. Because I know that uh, Google AdWords uh, and, well, now definitely Facebook, you have to actually go through a process to sign and sign up, verify your account to even be able to launch political ad. So they so you're saying they just cut off political ads in like Maryland and Washington, Washington. Maryland, Maryland and Washington. They've they've cut off offering political ads. Google has. Like entirely. Entirely. <clears throat> what? So I didn't know that. Which, they they cut that off, but then at the same time they if you go to trans, transparencyreport.google.com it's a whole archive of political ads that ran on. How does that work? It, it, it is, but it's an archive of ads running in the 48 other states going, <laughs> going forward because they don't want to, you know, kind of comply with the part and parcel of the individual laws in those states. Does that have anything to do? I guess Washington D.C. has their own rules and regulations. Does that apply to D.C.? Do you know? Uh, not at this time, and you know, really, there aren't a lot. I mean, you look at D.C. I mean, there's a mayoral election in D.C. and there's a council election, but you know, those are um, th those are not you know kind of big spenders like you have in a state where you've got a gubernatorial election yeah. or you know a U.S. senator you know type of election, those types of things. So, are they allowed to do this just by throwing in like one sentence in their terms of service that we all agree to without even reading? Is that how they do? this? Uh, as far as the reporting? Yes. Well, we threw in a couple sentences into our terms of service for for people that are running political ads in those states. Uh, you know, but we wanted to be clear with our clients that, hey, you know, this data, if you're running ads in these states, is legally required to be disclosed, and we've got to disclose it. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a fluid situation for political advertising right now. And I rarely would say these words, but I hope that the federal government steps in and solves this problem. Wow. And <laughs> is this does we this, need more government in this? In this whoa, uh, is this all in backlash of the 2016 election? It is. Well, what's funny? I've been talking to a couple of people about you know transparency and reporting in the political sphere um, all week, and a lot of folks are of the impression that this came about you know very much like you mentioned earlier to kind of keep uh, what they call dark money out of the sphere. So that would be, you know, somebody misrepresenting themselves to either, you know, provide a positive or negative spin, um, attempting to get a specific candidate elected. And, you know, specifically, they're trying to um, sway state-sponsored election rigging, uh, is, is what I understand, or what, what, where, this, where this was really birthed. Um, but, I mean, if, if a state like, you know, let's say France, uh, wants to come out here and rig one of our elections. I don't think any state sponsor is going to be swayed because you have to provide a couple of lines of who, what, when, where, and how much. Yeah. Um, you know, when they're trying to sway an election, if a state wants to do that, they're just going to do it, and they're going to figure out a more creative way to get the uh, to get the goal or to get to the goal that they want to achieve. Um, so you know, that's that's kind of my take on it. You know, after listening to. I guess the candy cane and rose drop 
um, representation of it that a lot of people kind of see. Do you think France would want to rig our elections to get uh, more rigorous control of croissants or freedom fries? <laughs> freedom fries. Freedom fries. They're really salty about that one. <laughs> they want us to pay us, yeah, pay them, pay them back for the help in the Revolutionary War, or you know, there's Statue all kinds of, of things they probably really want. Statue of Liberty. They're still after the Statue <laughs> yeah. of Liberty. Well, you know, coppers went up me. since they gave that to us. <laughs> that well, is true. It's like yeah. it's this big push for transparency but then again whenever somebody makes a new rule people are just gonna like like sadler said they're gonna find a, a new way to break it so if if the limit set at a thousand dollars for contributions and they were normally given two thousand well let's just start another llc or another pack so we can give this to you yeah what's what's your take on that and how you can follow and trace this you, money you know the washington law is actually kind of interesting because they actually want you to report the name of the buyer a real person so you need to report how it was paid, check credit yeah, card. Yeah, that, that's what but, Facebook's but, all, doing. but also, Shuffles. but also who who placed the order, mm -hmm. and you know, so theoretically, you could trace things back based off of who traced those orders. Now, the the whole thing is, there's all kinds of ways to you know kind of work through these scenarios. You're right. As soon as you make a rule, then people start looking at what are the ways around those rules. And you know, and, and even if they have reporting on dark money, it's going to be reporting after the election. So the election's already over. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know other than, you know, you know w within the kind of legal constructs of, of what you can do, that it's going to have much of an impact other than make it harder for ad tech companies to run campaigns and harder for candidates to run campaigns using the most sophisticated ad tech, which then in the end kind of becomes an incumbent protection strategy. Hmm. You know, as a business owner, this is, this was something that came about, and we were a bit concerned with respect to it at first because we, we have had you know, a decent amount of business come out of Washington State over the past few years. Um, so we were a bit concerned, you know, trying to figure out, peel back the layers of the onion, figure out what was actually necessary with respect to reporting. Um, but... This really, you know, with us kind of figuring this out, and I don't want to say we've figured it all out, but we figured out how to properly report this information. Yeah. This, this has posed us an interesting opportunity um, as El Toro to kind of come into this space and say, hey, if you're in Washington, if you're in Maryland, if you're in, you know, now Nevada, New York, New Jersey, um, if you're in these states, we got you. Uh, we, we feel that we have a proper process in place to report this information in an adequate manner for all of the regulations that are out there. So come on down, send us your money. So from my standpoint as a business owner, yeah, that's, you know, that's fantastic. I'm yeah. happy that Google and Facebook kind of dropped out of the mix in these markets because that's that's a great opportunity for us to make money. So, you know, that's Dave Stadler, business owner over here that that's really, you know, into a lot of this legislation getting passed. But then there's this other part of me. And looking at mandates and regulations and, and laws that are passed like this, you know, I believe this is an example of legislation that can easily stifle, you know, somebody trying to get into politics, somebody seeing, you know, the, the establishment that's sitting there in office for decades and decades and decades, and they've got all these corporate backers and this massive bankroll behind them, and they're going to get into office next year. You know they're going to get the party's nomination the following election cycle, and they're going to be in office until they decide to step down. Um, this makes it in my opinion, with, with Google and Facebook stepping out of this game, it's going to make it so much more difficult for the little guys 
um, that are trying to run for office Ooh, to have their guys, voices yeah. heard. Yeah. Um, you know, you're not going to be able to get get away from, you know, the Nancy Pelosi's and Mitch McConnell's of the world because they're going to dominate the space because they have the pockets for it and they're going to dominate the airwaves. Oh, and by the way, you're not going to be able to get your little ads on, you know, Google and Facebook because yeah, of but- that. I, but that's it's kind of always been the case, though. Like, all, all of these, uh, as you said, establishment people have always been in office. Even even with, uh, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, it doesn't it it hasn't really changed over the past 20 years with the introduction of digital. Like, a lot of these people are still in office. I guess you're just saying it it makes it even harder. Yeah, well, it makes it, it harder. It's yeah, in, it's incumbent protection that you know yeah. if you know and and you're going to see this issue in October and November where candidates go to try to run ads on Facebook and they find out that you know, they needed to weeks before get their credentials from Facebook and verify their ID, which is a process of you fill out a form, they mail you something and it takes, it takes about Two weeks. I'm yeah, it, sure. it takes a couple of weeks. And what's going to happen is they're not going to be able to run their ads on Facebook. They're, they already can't run their ads on Google in Washington State. And, you know, thank goodness for them that we're still out there and that, you know, that, you know, we can validate who they are. We can legally get their ads out there because if it weren't for somebody like us helping fight for the little guys, they wouldn't have an option to be able to get their voice out there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. No, not that we just work for the little guys. <laughs> we, 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 we like big incumbent money too so <laughs> green and party as we say uh well that's a good segue because so with that said we have a political guarantee here at el toro that i don't i don't think a lot of people know about i mean we have we have stuff on our website and a few blog posts about it but i think this would be a good channel to talk a uh, talk about the political guarantee that you've set up so earlier this year we, we were out talking to some folks in Washington, D.C., and you know, pretty senior-level political buyers. And uh, you know, I was telling them you know, how we're different and how we're more accurate and how we really focus on moving the needle and getting more voters to the polls. And, and, and the funny thing was he said, you know what, I hear similar pitches from hundreds of ad tech companies every year. And, and I said, well, you know, here's the interesting thing. A, we can prove it, and B, I'm willing to guarantee it. And, and that evolved into our political guarantee, which is you know, if you spend more than $100,000, because we, we've got to have a statistically valid sample size. And, and anybody who's taken high school statistics knows that if you've got a small group of data, weird things can happen, weird things to the positive, weird things to the negative. But if you spend over $100,000 on our system and you take a group of people who weren't at least 65% likely to turn out, so they've got to be under 65% likely to turn out, and we don't make them at least 5% more likely to turn out, we'll give you half your money back. And there is no one in ad tech and digital advertising that stands behind their product with a money-back guarantee like that. And to be able to do it, we've got to be pretty damn confident that our stuff works. Yeah. Fortunately, we have a statistically valid sample under our belt proving that we can improve voter yep. turnout in excess and, of 5%. And, and, and we did regression testing on it. We went back and looked at past campaigns. And you know, this is not a, uh, not a guarantee that we would end up paying, up, end up paying out very often. Uh, but it, it's the kind of thing that we feel is important as a differentiating factor to give our clients the confidence. Nobody buys, you know, I, when I think about guarantees, I always think about Tommy Boy. Uh, you know, that uh, you know, the guy's like, I could slap guaranteed on it. Uh, 
you know, and, and take a shit and put it in the box. And I realize it's supposed to be PG-13, so you, you can bleep me there. that one out. We'll bleep it. It's all good. Movie magic. But I'd rather, t- I'd rather take the, the guy's word for it. I'd rather have brake pads that actually work. And, you know, and the reality is, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is very much like that. People don't want to come back and say, oh, man, we didn't get more voters to the polls. I want to take advantage of the guarantee. They want to have confidence that they're picking a tool that works. That's awesome. And I, I love that about it because I think that is, like you said, a very big differentiator between us, Facebook, Google, all these other ad tech companies that are out there. It's so. ballsy. Them. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Them. I mean, who's, who's willing to put the money on the line? El Toro. I got you. We don't do plugs very often. We try to keep this, but I thought I think that's worth speaking to. Yeah, we I dig think it. that's pretty cool. So this is El Toro's conversation on politics, y'all. Get ready for this election season. It's going to be a bloodbath. We're 70 70 days away from the midterm elections. I did. I checked before. Oh, man. Well, well, let's see. So Friday, what, will be 68 days away. So 68 days away from the election when you're listening to this podcast. DJ Crane (laughs) with the fake news. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, next week we're going to be here with Jason Lohr. Uh, Jason was used to be here at El Toro, and now he's at Inspire Brands. He's a VP of media over yeah, there. Yeah, VP of media. So we're going to have Jason Lohr. You're actually, Stad's going to be gone, aren't you? Yeah, I will be absent. Uh, I'm going to be on vacation next week, so Jason Lohr is going to be co-hosting here with DJ Crame and DJ Oz. We love Jason Lohr. Step up. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. Are we going to talk about GDPR? Oh, we're out of time. Come All right, we'll save that next time. What a cliffhanger. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the, the one thing I prepared for, and you guys just skip it. All right, uh, yeah, go, all right we'll get go, it next go, time. Go, go, go and wrap up. This is going to be one of those Matt Damon Try things to out, where we, just, we, we never let you on. <laughs> get back in. Jimmy Kimmel, Matt Damon. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you here next Friday with Jason Lohr on the ElToro.com podcast. You've been listening to the Straight from the Bull podcast from El Toro Studios, Brought to you by ElToro.com, where we target people, not pixels. Mmm, buttery.